All right, welcome back to the TNC show. Um, we have with us a new guest, uh, Tyler Kulander from Iowa City. He's a big Hawk fan and originally good friends with Chase Huff. That's how we met him. So uh, glad he could be with us today. But let's get right to it. Kulander, we're putting you on the spot um, because you probably won't be with us this uh, next coming week. But um, we want to know your Super Bowl prediction for the Bengals versus the Rams and who you think is going to win and probably a score prediction. So what do you think? Yeah, so I think it's pretty interesting matchup, obviously, um, at the start of the regular season. If you would have told me that it'd be Stafford versus Burrow um, in the Super Bowl, I would have said you're crazy. Um, I think for this game, it comes down to how well the Bengals can run the ball. Um, that kind of take the pressure off Joe Burrow. Um, but my gut feeling says Rams. I think it'll be um, a pretty fairly high-scoring game. I could see it playing out like 31-24 Rams kind of in that area. Um, I just think the Rams have more weapons on offense and will be able to score um, a little bit better than the Bengals. So my gut says Rams to win, but I'd really love to see Joe Burrow get it done. Yeah, I, I think that goes with a lot of people, especially with this postseason. There's been so many close games, you almost got to assume the score is going to be close. I mean, it seems like every game has kind of found its way to be that. So, But we're going to save uh, our predictions because we're going to save them for our next episode when it gets closer. But we knew we should get your prediction now because we don't know if you'd be back on it next yeah. week. So. I think the, m- one of the most like interesting things for this game, I'm pretty interested to see how the betting handle is going to work um, and see what the public's on and stuff like that. Um, do you got, I think the spread's like four, something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Rams minus four. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as the game gets closer. So it'll be exciting for sure. Yeah, it'll definitely move up and down for sure. So, um, okay, let's move on to uh, some Saturday college basketball. We got some crazy good games this week, or this weekend, sorry. Um, Schuster, I'm putting you on the spot because you had a hell of a week here with some predictions. I don't know if you missed one. I did not miss one. Yeah. Uh, all right, so which, uh, first, which game's first, my picking this week? First game, UConn versus Villanova. Number 17, UConn versus number 12, Villanova. Go ahead. Is it in Philadelphia? Yeah. The yeah. second team listed is all the home teams. Yep, okay. so Villanova's at home. Whew. I picked against uh, Villanova, I think it was on Wednesday, for Marquette. I think I might take them here, a little bounce back at home. I haven't seen a lot of UConn play this year. They're actually the only team to beat Auburn, but I think Villanova's going to have it out for Yeah, I'll go next. I agree. I'm going to stick with my Wildcats. They didn't do it for me versus Marquette, but um, Marquette made some big shots and used a lot of momentum to win that game. Um, I truly feel like if that's on a neutral court, Villanova's going to win most of those games versus Marquette. Um, I'm taking Villanova also in a bounce-back game here. Um, Coolander, what do you think here, UConn versus Villanova? Yeah, I think Nova gets it done being at home on a Saturday. Um, pretty sure UConn just got beat by Creighton, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. This week, so I at mean, that, that doesn't really impress me too much. And Nova, 
Nova can play in those low-scoring games, as we've seen over the past few years. So, with UConn, I mean, they're not great offensively, so I could see Nova getting it done for sure. Uh, John, what do you think, John? Yeah, I think uh, just because you guys all picked Villanova, I think I'm going to go <laughs> UConn, but I, I have reasoning here. UConn's got a guy I really like, the big fella inside, Adama Sinogo. Uh, the time they beat Auburn, like Schuster mentioned, I'm pretty sure Sinogo had like 30. He's got a flurry of post moves inside, and I think he uh, he dominates in this game. And I'm going to take UConn. I just I wasn't impressed with Villanova on Wednesday, so I'll take UConn. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Um, Schuster, you're leading off every single one because you you were the man last week, or this I guess earlier this week. Um, All right, I'm going to take Illinois in this next game. Illinois at Indiana. You're going Illinois. I'm taking Illinois. I don't like what I see from Indiana. Um, I, I, Indiana at Indiana has got to be a hard place to play. Never been there before, but you would think that Illinois with their size would match up pretty well with Indiana. I know Trace Jackson Davis is a good player, but I think Coburn's better. Something that scares me is foul trouble with Illinois, especially being on the road, but we will see. I will take Illinois in a pretty close game. All right, uh, Coolander, go ahead. I love Indiana. Saturday home games in the Big Ten, nothing like it. That crowd's going to be fired up. Um, Indiana can play pretty good defense. I feel like Illinois, you know, they don't really have to worry about defense as much because they can score with the best of them. Um, But I think on the glass and defensively, Indiana will be able to get it done at home, but it's going to be another one of those one or two possession games where the refs probably have something to say about it. Yeah, John, give your uh, sense on this game. I, I love picking Illinois. Anytime we have them on here, I think I'd pick them. But there's no way after Kofi two or three nights ago goes for 37 on 16 and 19 from the field that I can't pick them. And I know uh, Trey Jackson Davis is no Stephen Crowell, but I feel like Kofi's <laughs> still going to have his way with them. I mean, come on. Player of the year. Come on. Yeah. I'm right with you there, too. I, I feel like every time it's an Illinois game, I find myself picking them. Um, I like watching them. I think they're a really good, well-rounded team. I feel like they're really getting better and better as the weeks go by. I feel like they could actually be really dangerous once March Madness comes around. Um, so I'm taking Illinois here. Uh, if I had to give a score prediction, I'm going to say they win by uh, less than 10, 6 to 8, I'd roughly say. Um, so moving on from there uh, – Schuster, you're starting us off again. Iowa State at Texas. Give us your thoughts. So this game was kind of close the last time Iowa State pulled it out. Texas has been struggling lately, but there's nothing from either one of these teams that really inspires confidence in me right now in terms of, like, waking up and being ready to play. Like, Texas played to me, awful against Texas Tech. And Iowa State did not – that was probably, in my opinion, their worst loss of the season against Kansas with those guys out. I think the spread is eight right now for Texas. I would think Iowa State would cover that spread because they typically play better on the road. But they got to prove to me that they can win a game against a, a road team that's ranked. So I'm going to take Texas by a couple. Uh, Kulander, we're going to have you last, being a Hawks fan and all this. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go next. Um, 
I don't know. We played, I thought, fairly well at home versus Texas, which gives me the whole reason to pick Texas in this game. And I think for once in, on this podcast, I'm going against my team and I'm taking Texas. Um, it's just, as an Iowa State fan, you know if we play well versus them the first time, the second time, for example, Texas Tech, technically we didn't play well against them in the first game, but we got the job done. We got the job done versus Texas now in that first game. I think at Texas, uh, it's going to be a rough one. Um, I can see our offense not coming out, and I can see – uh, Texas's guards just kind of taking over and controlling the game. Uh, John, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I know I kind of sound like a beaten record here, but somebody on Iowa State has to step up and make a shot. <laughs> I'm getting tired of these poor three-point per shooting games. Five of 22 last week against Kansas. There's someone's got to make a shot on this team, and I just I don't I can't see Iowa State going into Texas and winning this game. Um, or it even being close for that matter. I'm taking Texas. I'm, I've kind of given up on Iowa State a little bit. Yeah. Coolander. I got I got something for you guys. All right, listen to this. Iowa State on the year is 10-0 and when scoring 72 points or more, and they're 12-1 and when they score 66 points or more. So, to me, like, everything for this Iowa State team comes down to those numbers. Like, they tell the story themselves. And just the inconsistency on offense, I just – that's why I'm going to take Texas here. Um, but, I mean, if Iowa State can just get, you know, in the 70s or, you know, mid-70s, um, they'll have a good chance to win almost every game that they're in. But it's just the offensive inconsistency is what leads me to take Texas. I agree with you on that one, man. I mean – I said earlier on this podcast a couple times ago, they played Oklahoma State. I go, if they hit 60, they'll probably win the game. Like, they don't even need to really even hit those numbers. They just got to get 60. They got games where they got 40. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just – it's frustrating to see. It seems to be in the out. first half, too, from, like, the games I've watched them. Like, they'll come out and score, like, 25 points in the first half and then, you know, put together 40 in the second half. Well, they just need to find, find a way to do that both halves. And I feel like a lot of their losses this year – um, would either have been closer games or games they definitely could have won. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, I kind of have a theory with Iowa State, and it applied the first time they played Texas. So Iowa State's two main guys to get the most three-point looks are Calshear and Grill. And whenever they're both on, Iowa State wins, and that's really only been a couple times this year. But if only uh, one of them's on or neither of them are on, which is usually the case, uh, they, they lose. So – if they can both make their shots, I think I would say as a chance, but I just I don't know if that's going to happen on the road. Yeah, we keep talking about like making their shots. We're not talking make every single one. Like, you know, at least try and get to that thirty percent, forty percent. Like two more arc, make. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Instead of being zero for six or one for six, try and be two or three for six. You know what I'm saying? That's just. All that needs to be applied. Yeah. But, like, if we exclude Trey Jackson from the last game, who was four for six against yeah, Kansas Iowa State as a team, one of 16. Yeah. But we could talk Iowa State basketball all day long, so we'll keep moving. Um, actually, shoot start live. We're going to have Coolander start this one being a guest because I think this is the best, biggest game tomorrow. Um, Baylor at Kansas. Coolander, what's your thoughts? So, I think it'll be high scoring in the 80s. Um, I think, honestly, I think that favors Kansas being at home. 
Um, as everybody knows, really tough place to play. Um, I feel like this will be one of the best games of the season so far, but I like Kansas to get it done close. Yeah. Um, Okay, Abaji is cleared to play also versus Baylor. So that is huge. Um, what about Martins? Um, I can check on that. John, give your thoughts on this game while I check on that. So uh, they Kansas really impressed me against Iowa State playing without Abaji. And contrary to Iowa State, Kansas actually did make their open looks. And even McCormick was knocking down jump shots. So for that Didn't reason, shot. yeah, they were tough shots too. I mean, got to give them props, but. Oh, Tame just looked it up. Remy Martin's not expected to play, but I don't think that's that big of a deal. And I'm going to take Kansas at home here. Yeah, um, I'll also chirp in on that. I'm also going to take Kansas at home. Uh, They're tough to beat. Baylor also, I'm kind of seeing from your statement, Schuster, when they play Bama, how Baylor really has stopped impressing me. Um, Versus West Virginia, they did not look very good. Um, they kind of rode the home crowd momentum to get them that win when really they should be way better than that. Um, that Baylor defense that we're used to seeing isn't there, and I feel like that really needs to pick up to keep them in these games and become that high-quality top-ten team that they should be. So, um, Schuster, did you give your prediction on this game? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tag along to that Baylor take. Um that West Virginia game to me is a little bit of an outlier because Flagler and Cryer didn't play, I believe. Um, so that's those two guys are really big for them. But even if those guys play, I really struggle with the way that they they play a lot of one on one basketball with a lot of over dribbling, and they kind of rely on these like wild, wide bank shot layups from their guards. And I don't know if that really wins you a, a game against Kansas. And Kansas is just going to get better from having Agbaji come back because now all their role guys got a little bit they got a little bit more confidence from the game against Iowa State. They all got a little bit extra looks. And I think that two big lineup that Bill Self played against Iowa State, he will use that against Baylor. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't think this game is particularly close. I got Kansas by ten plus. Fair enough. We're gonna move uh, right to this next game for you, shoots USC versus Arizona. I was watching Arizona play last night. Yeah. Uh, was it last night? Yeah. Oh, those guys are good. That was honestly the first time I've really watched a whole game of theirs last year because I was going for the 100% for the week. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, I like those guys a lot. I think uh, Kerr, the Kerr, I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm just not going to. Number 25 on Arizona has a clip. And I think they're just too big. And Mathurin is really good. Like, I don't know how USC really stops them. And it's a home Saturday game in Arizona. I think – I mean, they're playing for the Pac-12 regular season title at this point. They're in the the driver's seat for that. I think they win. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Kirk Carissa or however you say it from a yeah. Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, he can, sh- he can shoot the rock. Love watching him play. Uh, Coolander, thoughts? Yeah, so haven't watched a lot of Pac-12 basketball this year, but um, have watched Arizona a couple times. They're I just think they're better offensively than USC and more consistent. Uh, they're twelve and zero at home this year, so you know that place is going to be packed. It's going to be a tough environment. Um, USC is pretty good on the road, seven and one 
record in road games this year. I just think with the depth of Arizona, um, you know, this is really the time of the season flipping the calendar into February where you really see those teams that have that depth come out on top. Um, so I like Arizona to get it done at home. Yeah, John. Yeah, I mean, this game, the spread's 11 points for a reason. Arizona's clearly the better team. Uh, they're bigger. They're more talented. They're better at shooting. Um, they're at home. There's really no reason for me not to pick them here, so I'm picking them. Pretty obvious choice, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm also following with the Wildcats. Uh, give me Arizona by 12-plus. That's all I got. You guys really hit it on the nose. Uh, well, that means uh, USC's going to win. Yeah. Put all your put all your money on USC money line. <laughs> um, next one up, big rivalry: Duke versus North Carolina. Number nine, Duke at North Carolina. Schuster. Coach K's last time at Duke, bad North Carolina team, not competitive at all. Duke blowout. Okay, I'm going against that take. Uh, I'm taking Duke to win, but I don't care how it is. These two teams, I swear, always seem to make it a good game. I don't know how. Um, I can't remember if it was our freshman year or sophomore year. Um, I can't remember. Um, Duke was really good. North Carolina wasn't necessarily a very good team, but both those games ended up going into, like, overtime and double overtime. That was when uh, I'm pretty sure Wendell Moore had that tip in. Yeah, um, that was uh, that was two years ago. There was fans in the stands. Yeah, I mean, that's just – Duke should have won both those games by a good margin, and still the game's fine to be close. And those stats they have about the rivalry where the records are dang near even and the points scored against each other is dang near even, um, it's got to be a close game. Just history tells it all. Uh, but I take Duke to win it here. Um, Coolander, thoughts? Yeah, so with it being Coach K's uh, last game, Chapel Hill, I think he's going to have Duke fired up. I don't think there's any way – um, he lets them lose. I think Bonchero just continues to take everyone by storm, have a big game. Um, Wendell Moore in the second half of the season here, though, he, he's kind of been – his offensive production hasn't been as good, so I'd look for him to have a big game. Um, definitely going to be one of the best games of the year. I do think it'll be close, but I like Duke to edge him out. John Thusk? Yeah, I really want to take UNC because they're at home and just the way Baycott's been playing. He had 19 and 22 the other night, actually. But wow. UNC's kind of banged up right now. And I just think Duke's the deeper and more talented team. So I'm going to take them. Sounds good. So everyone bet North Carolina. <laughs> uh, Kentucky at Bama. And Schuster, I swear, if you pick Bama on this one again – and get it right, I'm going to go nuts. But Kentucky at Bama. You read my mind. I think Dude. Bama wins this game. I I have a feeling. So Kentucky tends to have these big wins, and they kind of follow up with these kind of average performances. This game is really going to come down to whether or not Shibway is going to dominate the glass. And I'm worried about Alabama's size. But – I think they're deep enough to run with Kentucky long enough to win this game. I think Alabama wins a very close game, possibly buzzer beater against Kentucky. Wow. That is um, a prediction. Coolander, what do you think? I got Bama too. Uh, Kentucky, three and three in true road games this year. Like Schuster said, let down spot. Roll tide, baby. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to give my two cents here. No <laughs> way do they do it again. No way. <laughs> There's no way. Like I said, this team is an AAU team, bro. They literally rely on Shackelford, Quinterly, and Ellis to make these isoing, ridiculous shots um, with tough defense. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. No way does it work versus the Wildcats. I am taking Kentucky to beat Alabama by 10-plus. I, don't, I think I'm going to take Alabama here just because fucking A, dude. Every time I watch these dudes play at home, they got to shoot like 50% three. It seems like every three they shoot goes in. I don't know what it is. I just – I am worried about Big Oscar, though, because Alabama's big man's pretty skinny. I don't even know his name. Well, they have so. Jawan Gary's uh, down there, but I don't know if he's their center. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's but... probably going to be the matchup, though. <laughs> Yeah, that, that could be a problem. I'm taking Alabama, though. I saw something on Twitter that said, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama makes the Final Four or loses in the round of 64. They're just that hot and cold. But I think Now, that is a take. That is. that is Which I would agree with. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, it's really 100%. Yeah, I'm taking Bama. So, that's three more picks on Bama. Did, wait, did we pick Bama against Baylor, all of us? All, no, besides me. Yeah. I and Way to go again. This, Way to go. Bama this, just won. I'm doing yeah. the same thing again. I'm taking Kentucky to win this fucking game. All right. Uh, so we'll stay with college basketball here. Um, Schuster, you can choose if you want to talk about Iowa or Iowa State. Um, us Iowa State guys will go first. Coolander, you I know you'll give us a good sense on Iowa. Um, question being, do we think Iowa State won as a tournament team and where we think we're going to end up? Um, John, go ahead and take it away. So I'm going to start this off. This is kind of – I, I kind of wanted to talk about this. But um, Iowa State, uh, where it stands now, is 16-6, and 3-6 and six in conference play. In my opinion, to make the tournament or to, like, be a lock for the tournament, they need to win four more games. That will get them to 20 wins overall, seven wins in conference. And I think uh, being the Big 12 is regarded as the best conference in America, 7-11 and 11 is good enough um, in Big 12 play to get in even if that's only like a 10 or 11 seed. But I will say Iowa State the rest of the way, they still get to play K-State twice, still get to play West Virginia twice, still get to play Oklahoma State at home. So those are all uh, bottom three teams in the Big 12. I think Iowa State wins five more games and then wins one game in KC. So that'll put them at 22 wins on the year. And uh, with that being said, I think they'll get a six or a seven seed uh, in March Madness. And um, I think Iowa State's ceiling – is the Sweet 16, and the floor is the round of 32. That's my take. Um, I'm coming in with that. Uh, the floor, I think, is not making the tournament. Um, I think it's possible, especially if Iowa State pulls it off where they don't make it out of the first round of the Big 12 tournament or their first game of the Big 12 tournament. They might ne- not necessarily be a first round because they like to do the four bottom teams play on that first day. But yeah. if uh, – Iowa State doesn't win one game in the Big 12 tournament. Depending on what their record is, I could easily see um, them not making the tournament. I would not count uh, them versus West Virginia, Givens. Um, I think West Virginia is actually starting to heat up. They gave Baylor a run for their money. They're actually finally fully healthy. Um, At West Virginia especially is not a given. Um. Credit, we didn't play well versus TCU. 
and Oklahoma gave it to us. Uh, I don't know. That could be one, two, three, four losses. And there's no easy games. Yeah, there's nothing. And it's Iowa State basketball. Right now, we're so up and down. I mean, really, I could see us finish one, two, three, four, five, six. We have seven games. I could see us maybe only winning two out of the seven games. But I could also see us winning all seven. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, but here's the question, though. Do you think if they get four more wins, are they in? 20 wins, seven Big 12 wins. Would four more wins get them in? Depends on if they win or lose that first Big 12 game. Tournament? Yeah. If they look bad right there at that game, sometimes that's all it takes. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i give them a prediction and say they're between a 7 and 10 seed in the tournament, though. I'm going to have my faith and say they do make it. Shooter, you got any thoughts? All right. So I'm going to touch on both teams just so we have another Iowa take, too. Go ahead. I agree with um, – the fact they probably need five wins to be a sure lock. I probably only see four because, I mean, most times you split with conference teams. K-State is – they just beat Okie State at home at the buzzer, and we went with Okie State to overtime. Um, I struggle with the West Virginia games, play Oklahoma again, play at TCU, at Baylor. So these are some tough games. I think – the goal for Iowa State needs to be not in the play-in games of the Big 12 tournament because if you lose that first-round game in a play-in scenario, you're probably in the NIT. If you lose your first game and you're the 4-5 game, you're probably good. So with that, I think they can do it. I think their floor is a top seed in the NIT. I think their ceiling is Probably somewhere between Sweet 16 and round of 32. But Iowa, uh, I think they need Wait, to be – Wait, hold up, hold up. Wait, so you said what their, what's their prediction for seed? Uh, somewhere between a 7 and 10. You have them 7 and 10 as well? 7 to 10. They'll play a 1 or a 2 seed in the second round. Yeah, um, I definitely can't agree with that. So – So, uh, okay, now you said you're going to give your thoughts on Iowa, too. So, I have I have some struggles with Iowa making the tournament. I think they can. Um, they're 14-7 and seven right now. The issue for them is they don't see any real quality wins. They have wins against mostly bottom Big Ten schools. Indiana's a good win, but I'm struggling to find other ones. So I think if they finish out strong here, if they can – they just got their game against Ohio State postponed. If they could win that game and beat Michigan State, I mean – Yeah, they, that, they could get Michigan State and Illinois. That would be like two quality wins to really add to the resume. And, and Ohio State when they play again. And if they can – Oh, yeah, that got postponed, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. looking to play it again. And if they can win two games in the Big Ten tournament, I think they're in. But I think they're probably in the same boat Iowa State's in, but they might be more of an eight to an eleven, maybe even a twelve seed. So, is it? But that's not a twelve seed. I'd want to see. For a power five school to be twelve, I thought the highest they usually go is eleven. Depends on if the uh, like lower conference teams are higher. Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess it really it comes down to whether or not 
schools like the Big 12, the Big 10, and Pac-12, because I think those schools, those conferences have a lot of good teams. Depends on how many teams they send. The Pac-12 could realistically send four to five teams in. Four, I would say, is realistic. But what if, what if, a, what if one of those random teams wins the Pac-12 tournament? That'll kick out one of these. True. At large bids, like true. That and that that scares me for both of these teams. Like, what if Colorado goes and wins the Pac-12 tournament and kicks Iowa and Iowa State out? What if Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 tournament and it'll it'll kick one of these Oklahoma teams State. How about Oklahoma? How about Oklahoma? I think Oklahoma's probably in. They're a good team. Yeah. But um, what's their floor and ceiling? Uh Iowa's floor is probably an NIT bid. Ceiling. Second round of the tournament, round of thirty two. Fair enough. Coolander thoughts after that take. Yeah, so um you guys were saying four more wins. I think it was uh, CJ said four more wins for Iowa State. I think if they got four more wins, they'd be, in my opinion, probably a lock to make the tournament because the bubble right now is terrible. Like, in Joe Joe Lenardi's recent bracket that he dropped today, he's got San Diego State and Wyoming in his last four wins. So, in San Diego State, they're like fourth or fifth in the Mountain West. So, I just think there's been a lot of talk about how bad the bubble is. And so that'll give, you know, teams like in Iowa maybe a shot. Um, But for Iowa State, I definitely think if they get four more wins, they'll be in. Um, As far as how far I think they could go, I'd have – I can see them winning their first game, but that's it. Uh, Just offensively, I feel like it's just hard to count on them getting any further than that. Um, and if they somehow with that start of the seat to the season, if they somehow didn't make the tournament, I think that'd be a pretty big disappointment. Um, but I, I definitely do think they'll be there. I think they will be like an eight or nine, um, win that first game and then just not have enough offense in their next game to advance. As far as the Hawkeyes go, um, as you guys know, diehard Hawk fan, it's, it's, it's been a pretty up and down year. I mean, the last game at Penn State, that's just that's just pathetic. You can't lose to Penn State on the road. They've got like five people in the crowd. Um, you get two overtimes with a lot of chances to win that game and just can't get it done. Um, it's frustrating, and especially with this postponement, it actually throws – even a, a bigger wrench in things. Uh, they're going to be looking at five of their last six games on the road. And this team is not going to win. Even I don't think they'll even win half those games with them being on the road. Life in the road in the Big Ten is just not easy, especially at this point in the season. Um, Keegan Murray, to me, has been too up and down. Uh, some nights he just scores like, you know, 10 or 12 points, but eight of those points are on free throws. Um, and we just don't have that consistent second scorer on this team. Um, Rebracha, when he is matched up with someone who's a little bit smaller than him, he can kind of hold his own. Anyone bigger than him, weight or height, he just, I mean, he just gets absolutely babied. You know, coming from the Summit League, he, he's been great at times this year, but we don't we don't have any post presence this year. Our guards, um, you know, at this point, I don't think it's, you know, too outlandish to say why why is Jordan Bohannon getting the minutes 
he's been getting. Um, I mean, great player, done a lot for the program. He's just he's not he's simply not producing. Um, and then when we go with some of our different guards, I don't think we have the shooting consistently enough to make the tournament down the stretch. Uh, just looking at the schedule here at Ohio State, that's going to be tough. Uh, we probably can get Minnesota, Maryland, and Nebraska if we don't have any letdowns. Um, you know, it, it's just confusing right now with the bubble to me because Lenardi has had us at a seven seed today. And I, I seriously don't understand that because, like Nate said, there's just no really good wins. I mean, that home game against Indiana – we were favored in, I mean, there's just, there's just no really good wins on our resume. Um, you know, friend built an absolute Mickey mouse of a non-con schedule for this team, um, which is going to, it's going to come, it's going to come up and end up hurting them here down the long run. February is never a good month for friend McCaffrey um, and the Hawkeyes. So to be in kind of this do or die situation, I think they definitely have to go 10 and 10 in conference and then win probably, you know, to me, a first round, depending on the seeding, a first round in the Big Ten uh, tournament game, you know, versus like a Northwestern or someone like that, you know, that really doesn't do us much good. So I think it's going to take two wins. So 500 in conference, two wins in the uh, Big Ten tournament to get a chance. Um, And then even if they do, I think they'll probably be, at a 10 seed, but that, that five, that five out of six games possibly to like end the season, if they do move that Ohio state one later with three in a row ending at Ohio state at Michigan at Illinois. I mean, Northwestern's not a gimme this year, Michigan state, no chance we beat them. So I, I, I really want to say we won't make the tournament. If we do make the tournament, we're not winning the game. So uh, it's just it's just been frustrating, frustrating, but kind of be to be expected. I mean, I really had no expectations for this team. Um, the offense has just kind of gone missing. Just like I said, Keegan, you know, he's not putting up 30, 25 to 30 a game. He's still up there in average. But I mean, that's all from the non-conference slate. So it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that coming from an Iowa perspective and. That was a great intake on that. So I don't know how many Hawk fans necessarily listen to our podcast, but that's definitely a great, uh, great look into what you're seeing and what's expected to come for the Hawks. So um, moving on from there, we got one final thing to talk about. Uh, Schuster, I've been picking on you this podcast, but I think I want to start with you just because I'm interested to hear what you have to say to start off this argument. Tom Brady. He retired. Is he the GOAT of the NFL? Go. If we're going to go strictly off of achievement and accomplishments, I'm going to say yes. Nobody's got seven Super Bowls. Nobody's played as long as he has, blah, blah, blah. In terms of talent or position, I'm going to have to say no. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback to ever play. He, I don't think any attribute outside of maybe his brain is the best. Like, he does, he's, doesn't have the best arm ever. He's not the most accurate ever. He's not the most mobile, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. 
and position, my personal pick for GOAT of football would be Jerry Rice. Because if you look at if you look at his stats and his touchdowns and his longevity, I mean he played like twenty three years at wide receiver and he was good until like year twenty two. Like he made that Super Bowl with the Raiders in two thousand two and he was like a thirteen hundred yard receiver on that team. And he was playing with Joe Montana in eighty like eighty five. Yeah. Like that's a crazy long career. He's got like one or two Super Bowl MVPs. I think he's the best football player ever in my mind, but I, I'm okay with calling Tom Brady the GOAT. But let's see what happens in the next five to ten years with other with other players. Yeah. Um Kuland or John, either one of you got a, anything to add or disagree with that, really. Go ahead, T C. Um, I mean, as far as like my lifetime for sure the goat um i just think there's a i don't know if you guys saw that thing going around on twitter but it was like a picture uh with like 12 games and it was all these like insane scenarios like when he was down 28 three uh he was down 11 with like four minutes to go a bunch of times and i just think like you could never count out tom brady um, and I know there's a lot of times he didn't get it done, but just the, the way he not only like carried himself like on and off the field and stuff like that, but just that competitiveness. Um, and you know, obviously the Super Bowls speak for themselves. I just think there hasn't been anyone better than him to do it, but I'm interested to hear what CJ thinks. Uh, to add to that, TC, he has the most game-winning drives and the most fourth-quarter comebacks. Yeah, that's, that's a lie. That's ridiculous. That's a lie. He's got that's Manning. Peyton Manning's got the most fourth-quarter comebacks. I'm just going off of CBS, man. They just posted our <laughs> goal. CBS is a damn liar. Well, I'm just saying that's what they say. All right. Uh, <laughs> John, thoughts? Uh, I really think just when you consider longevity, achievements, Super Bowls, you really can't argue that he's the GOAT and obviously he plays the most important position in football. It's not close. That's why like like Schuster said, like other players have been better at their position, but like quarterbacks by far the most position uh, important position in football. But I will say skill wise, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are the two most skilled quarterbacks I've seen in my lifetime. But obviously uh, they each only have one Super Bowl. I know Mahomes is still young and Maybe in the coming years, uh, if Mahomes racks up uh, more accomplishments and records, he could be the GOAT. But for the time being, seven Super Bowls, uh, just a flurry of uh, records for the NFL, he's he's my GOAT right now, Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, I don't think – I mean, if you ever realize, Tom Brady is one of those players who – he was with the Patriots for so long but also had – Credit, we don't really know exactly what happened, but had a great coach alongside him. Um, if you think about MJ with Phil Jackson and Kobe with Phil Jackson, like that's kind of like what I'm thinking of. Uh, like Tom Brady had this amazing career with probably one of the best coaching staffs during that time as well. And rosters, I would say. They always had a really good defense, and special teams was never an issue. I always felt like they found hidden gems, too. Just dudes that, like, wouldn't be as good as they were. They just happened to be. Malcolm Butler. Yeah. 
Julian Edelman, I, in my opinion. Wes, Wes Welker. Come on Wes now. Wes Welker. Wes Welker Rex was Burke, a tall Rex Burkhead played yeah. great for the Patriots. James White was a third-string running back at Wisconsin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they find these guys and somehow just make it work and just continue to do that, which I think is most impressive. Now, I know that's kind of stretching off of the argument here, but, like, that all pertains back to, like, his career and what was perceived to be done. Um, Like, and if you think about it, he could have had two more. He also could have had a lot less, though, if you think about it. Like, if Russell Wilson hands the ball off, Vinatieri. Yeah, very true. And that's that's very true. Um, But, like, that Giants game is what I'm just thinking of. the helmet catch, like, for instance, that could have been his, too. Like, it's just crazy how many times, like, he was there and what he accomplished. And, like, he has seven Super Bowls. And I don't know if anyone will touch that again. Uh, so, I think, and based on all these records, besides the one, if you're saying that's incorrect, uh, I don't know how you can top it. I mean, just the stats, touchdown passes in the playoffs, passing yards in the playoffs. I mean, all these things, it's like, I don't think anyone can even come close to touching it. So I think think it's got to be the go. I think it's going to be very hard, too, because the one thing is Tom Brady is a very, like, he's top five greatest quarterback of all time. This is why we're debating this. Um, But some of those like he made the playoffs every year it felt like but it also felt like his division was god awful forever i mean i don't know what you guys think do you guys agree with that i mean yeah when he was in new england yeah i'd agree with you um it's also like they also had a great team too like those defenses were so good yeah also like teddy brewski yeah (laughs) richard seymour knock on wood here too like like, staying healthy is also something in the NFL. Like, the fact that he stayed healthy for the most part throughout those years, you know, to keep things going and nothing crazy happened to work. Like, that can ruin a career just like that off one play. So, that's, like, also something to take in mind, you know. Like, knock on wood, but, like, Patrick Mahomes, next game, first snap, could bam, break his leg, you know. But knock on wood, you know. But – that's just, like, how it could be, and that's how it happened. So that's just another thing, like, how he just managed to do what he did because it's honestly insane to me. So, but uh, I don't got anything else more to say. If uh, any of you do, go ahead. Otherwise, I think that's it. So, all right. Well, sounds like that's it. Um, thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, TC, thanks for being a first-timer on here. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, hopefully we can get you back on here again and, uh, thanks guys for listening and be tuned in for Monday for the next coming episode. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. No problem. Thank you. Yeah. We'll see you later.